0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com.
1: Duke waited until I darn near gave up on him, ever getting edge to start showing some of it. Last night looked like a team that, that had a little something to him. Not just talent, not just high recruiting pedigree, not just, you know, McDonald's All-Americans or whatever uh, else they they have on their resumes. They had a little something to them, a little, little substance. And I darn near gave up on them. I really did. Not giving up on them, the basketball team, because when you, you shoot as well as they can, you always kind of have that slingshot in the David versus Goliath, although Duke would never be described as a David. Uh... But you always have the ability to beat anybody when you can shoot like that. But I just, I had zero faith, zero trust in them winning a, a street fight. They could, they could win a, like an archery battle where everybody's just sniping from distance. I didn't think they could win a fist fight. I'm starting to think they might be able to. They waited until I gave up on them to go, all right, let's show something. And guess where they build their edge? They build their edge off of two people. Tyrese Proctor, Jared McCain. Proctor started, played 38 minutes. McCain started, played 38 minutes. Nobody else played more than 31. Those two guys are the guys Shire's looking at and saying, if you don't get in foul trouble, if you don't get hurt, be prepared to drive this train. Proctor controlled the action. McCain, even on a day when he, as the best shooter on the team, or at least one of, uh, didn't shoot it very well from 3, finished with 9 points, 10 rebounds and 3 assists. That's a player using whatever it takes to have an impact on the game, right? Coach is trusting me with these minutes. I'm one of six from 3 or I'm on my way to being one of six from 3. You darn sure I'm going to leave my my fingerprint on the game whether it's it's the way I normally do or some other way. You know, it's the the equivalent of I'm leaving with something. Yeah. I go into this arena, I'm leaving with 20 points. If I can't get 20 points, I'm getting 10 boards. If I can't get 10 boards, I'm getting 8 assists. If I can't get 8 assists, I'm using all my fouls. I'm going to contribute in some way. I'm leaving with something. Here's John Shire on on the win last night over Virginia Tech and what it could be for the team.
0: I thought we came out ready to play Uh, outside that segment in the end of the first half. We let them back in and with probably some poor offense on our part and uh, besides that, we just were together, tough. Uh, they're a really good team, you know. They, they, uh, especially here, Ben. They can really. <laughs> we know from experience, and uh, I'm just proud of the effort to come back two games in three days. You'd be two really good teams in Clemson and Virginia Tech, and uh, I think this can be a launching pad for us.
1: A launching pad? I, I, I don't. That might be dramatic. Let's just call it what it is. I think it's it's more maybe a tune up to a launching pad. There's a big game on Saturday that I'm sure many of you have have heard of. Steps leading up to the launch. Exactly. It's it's had it's it's uh I high jumped in high school for okay. a year. Right. Makes sense. You're tall. Uh yeah it was it was very much like a hey we don't have anyone else and you're lanky I was like cool gotcha uh. But it is like, you know, the steps are what matters for the launch, right? You have to time, time your steps, measure them out. Like that's what this is. Could be a massive launching pad on Saturday against UNC. You needed to get your steps right leading up to it. Everyone on that team should follow Proctor and McCain. In that order, I believe when it comes to like, like, hey, how are we reacting to this? Right. Hey, this team is doing something. How do we react to it? Are we are we lowering our shoulders and driving to the bucket? Are we uh, getting physical with our defense? What are the refs allowing us to do? Proctor and McCain are the tone setters. Which, by the way, Kyle Filipowski can still be the best player. I actually want to see more from him. 14 and 8, not enough last night, and that's saying a lot. He wasn't the driving force. He wasn't the attitude, but he can still be 22 and 12. Right? It, it's it's. Maybe I should name this the the Kawhi role because Kawhi Leonard is always the one I think about first mm-hmm. when I think of the best player on really good teams who is not like the tone setter because he's so quiet and he keeps to himself on those Spurs teams that were good. It was Kawhi, especially the last championship they had, Kawhi was the best player on the team, but the Duncan, the Parker, they controlled the tempo. For sure. Uh, the the Raptors team that won it all. Kawhi was the best player on the team. Lowry. Gasol were kind of the the tone setters, right? They were the guys that were measuring the locker room. Those were those were the guys that were grizzled when they had to be grizzled. Actually, if you pay attention to the NBA, the Clippers got things going in the right direction right now. Again, Kawhi's going to be your best player. You're going to look to Paul George, Russell Westbrook. You're going to look to other guys to be the tone setters. That can be Filipowski. Right. he can be the best player meanwhile Proctor and McCain, who are also very very good uh could be the the edge the attitude they can be the the walking aura of the team and I think that's more what you're looking for and Roach can be that veteran presence and and Roach is the guy who you know i the, the saying is you'd rather have to tell your guy's woe than go mm-hmm. uh he can be the woe. he can he can be all right guy all right bye. Relax a little. give me the ball, little breath. Yeah, like like I always say, palms to the ground, like you're you're a quarterback telling the crowd to be quiet. Like grab the ball, put it under one arm, look at the, everybody else. Hey, relax. <laughs> give, they give us a shot clock for a reason, right? You don't have to play with your head uh, like a chicken with your head chopped off. which, by the way, I think he did really well last night. knocked down speaking of knocking down threes, knocked down threes, but is still battling that injury. went out there said, I'm having impact on the game. Here's John Shire talking about his uh, his veteran Jeremy Roach.
0: Look, he's not totally healthy. Right. He hasn't practiced in probably a week and a half. And he just wanted to gut it out. And, you know, we brought him off the bench because of that. And, you know, just uh, his maturity, um, the way that he, um, he's got a rebound. I'm looking at the box right now. He didn't rebound tonight, but uh, the threes he hit, obviously, were, were important. And probably the biggest one was the end of the first half. It's one of the biggest plays of the game that uh, Sean and Flip made to get an extra possession in the out back to, Jer- uh, back to uh, Jeremy. I agree. That was a big shot going
1: into half. Um, but that's, that's the veteran thing, right? End of half situations. Things are getting a little crazy. People start running around. Clock's winding down. Jeremy Roach looked like, you know, it was a, it was a jumper and a game of horse on a, a Sunday at, at the park. Knocks it down. He had a couple of those. Uh, There was a a straight-ahead three-pointer later on in the game that was just kind of like, all right, here we go. Good. It was actually an answer. Like, it was was actually kind of perfect, right? Virginia Tech hit a three, but it wasn't – it was a chaotic three, right? It bounced on the rim three times, shooters roll. It was off an offensive rebound. It was kind of crazy. They come to the other side, and it was very, very much Jeremy Roach caught it at the top of the key, stepped in knocked it down. And it wasn't a, it didn't rattle home, right? It was, it was the the net didn't move. That's what Roach can be. And, and, and maybe that's what I'm saying here. Duke is starting to figure out their roles, not their roles on the court. We already knew what their roles like X's and O's were, right? It was Roach and McCain. We're going to have to stretch the floor, be spacers, handle the rock, Proctor was going to be, at the beginning of the year, the guy pulling the strings, right? The, the, the distributor, the point guard, the, the flow controller. Filipowski was going to be the best guy down low. Young was going to be either minimal minutes as a starter off the bench. You were going to get Mitchell involved a ton. Stewart, maybe as a, a energy guy off the bench. Like These were the roles at the beginning of the year. We knew what they were basketball-wise. What they had to work through were their roles like in the the social atmosphere of the team, who's going to be the, the, the calming presence? Who's going to be the one that needs to be calmed? Who's going to be the back of the room? Who's going to be the front of the room? Right? It, it's you know, seemed like Filipowski was kind of forced into a leadership role early on, and it turns out he might just be you know a Wooden Award candidate who uh you know listens to somebody else break the team down before the game. Yeah, that's fine. Be Kawhi. Trust me, no one is mad at Kawhi. Play the Kawhi role. I kind of like that. We might have to add that to, my, to our dictionary of things here. Okay. Uh, the Kawhi role. The lexicon of terms. Yeah, we we've got we got to put out a dictionary at some point. Matt Stafford effect, Ring of Honor complex, mm-hmm. the Kawhi role. Like th- these are just names that I can <laughs> I rattle off. That if you're not a, a, a super listener of the show, you're going to be confused. Senior Bowl week is going on. Senior Bowl week is a big week for players trying to boost their NFL draft stock. There's a bunch of players from schools in the Triangle and Wake Forest that are uh, at the Senior Bowl right now trying to convince teams to invest more millions of dollars in them. You know what is my favorite part about the Senior Bowl or the East-West Shrine Bowl or the Hula Bowl or whatever uh, all-star game you, you, you like? It's the only part of the pre-draft process that involves real, actual football. Right? You go, you do workouts where they try to mimic football, where they have a coach with a linebacker pad trying to hit you like like it's football. Right? You go to uh, an interview, a visit, and you're you're up on the whiteboard talking about football. You go to the combine and they test skills that are supposed to tell whether you're good at football. The Senior Bowl, actual football, Hula Bowl, Shrine Bowl, all of them actual football. It's the only part of the pre-draft process that involves actual football, and I like that. I also think it's kind of funny that guys are opt out of bowl games and then play in the senior bowl, because you can get injured in the senior bowl too, but the reason why it's worth the risk is everything else, right? It's about weighing and measuring officially, getting numbers for your height and weight that that scouts will trust, because... If if you've ever played any sport of any kind, if you've ever followed any sport of any kind, if you've ever been a parent of an athlete of any kind, you know the the immediate reaction, right? You open the program. So and so is listed at six six. Ha! Yeah, right. I'm five eleven. I look out of my eye. What the heck are we doing here? Oh, I used to love that as a player. So it's like. This guy's a guy. I'm guarding is listed at 6'1". Dude, I'm taller than you. I'm five ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing here? Just yeah. I mean, if you get near six foot, people get real comfortable lying. They like throwing a little bit above six foot. But uh, just recently, um, Luka Doncic was on uh, the T, uh, TNT NBA show, and Luka and Barkley were sitting next to each other. Barkley was listed at six six in his career. Luka's listed at six seven. I kid you not, there's four and a half inches of dis- difference when they're standing there. Barkley is six three and a half, which makes his career more impressive. I'm not downgrading Barkley. I'm just saying he ain't six six. Uh, but you go to something like the the senior bowl, those numbers aren't like your your SID, your sports information director, typing up the program going, Hey, how tall do you want to be? So, so, so six five? Sure. Six five. These numbers are real. Peyton Wilson, for real, 6'4 and 1/8 inch, 234 pounds. That is a big dude. Bruh. Tez Walker, six one and a half, 197 pounds. Good enough. Good enough. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cedric Gray for UNC linebacker, 6'1 and two thirds, 232 pounds. No problems there. Nope. You're checking what you're doing is you're eliminating red flags, right? If Cedric Gray were five eleven, all of a sudden that's going to be ooh. Let's go back and let's go back and watch the tape. Let's see if if you know he had trouble su- sorting through traffic, right? Yeah. Although there is a great line, I think it was McAfee who said the uh, the 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 number everyone should be concerned with uh, for quarterbacks and off ball linebackers isn't actual height; it's eyes to floor. Because like you can't see over linemen with the top of your head. If you have a gigantic forehead above your eyes, that gives you an extra like inch or two in height, but that you don't see over your 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 linemen with that. So maybe they should start measuring eyeball to floor. Um, Dwayne Carter from Duke, three hundred and eight pounds. That's plenty for an interior defensive lineman. Six two and a half. Malik Mustafa, uh, safety for the the uh, for Wake Forest, five nine and seven eighths, two hundred and ten pounds. Stocky. But I'm sure he would have liked that extra half inch to be five ten. Stretch a little bit, right? Get your back cracked before you hey, you yeah, walk out there. No great chiropractor. There you go. It's about not just measuring, and it's about the interviews in person. It's about looking a guy in the eye. Do you remember know I saw go viral? Remember Lad McConkey, who was the the wide receiver for Georgia, battled a bunch of injuries. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, Mike Tomlin, right? He's there doing the Mike Tomlin thing, coolest guy in the room and uh, coolest guy in the field. And and he calls over McConkie and they just dapped it up. Quick little, hey, how's it going? And you can tell that's Tomlin just getting a feel for the guy, right? Is he one of us? Those things matter. It's about where you stand on roster dynamics, right? When the wide receivers go, all right, let's do one-on-ones, Who's routinely matching up intentionally with the first round projected draft pick DB? Who's first to the line, right? Those things, it matters. That's why you go to the Senior Bowl. So I have one thing for each of the the five guys I mentioned, the NC State, UNC, Wake Forest, Duke players that are at the Senior Bowl. One thing other than, right, other than just being there and being, you know, I I could say like, hey, play well to all of them, but it's more specific (laughs) than that. Well, me, obviously. Yeah, play well. Play well. So play well. And uh, for Peyton Wilson, linebacker NC State, I think a lot of it's about the medicals. The guy proved everything he can possibly prove on the football field. Uh, You know, they asked him at at, at the senior bowl what he wanted to prove this week. He said that I'm the best defensive player in college football. I think he already did that. Uh, I think what teams will be soured on is your age. Can't do anything about that. You're a bit older than most prospects. And any kind of medical history, you know, you've been injured a lot. So for him, stay healthy and in every evaluation, if there is any medical testing, make sure no red flags pop up. That's really all it's about, right? You run fast and you're giant. That's not going to change. I've seen it for for too many years now. Uh, Tez Walker, UNC wide receiver. I think it's all about comparing against the best competition. If there is a receiver who I think should – you know, do the um the counting thing when you're in line in one-on-ones and you're looking at who's the defensive backs and you're going one, two, three, four, or right, I'm fourth, one, two, three, four. Oh man, the, the corner from South Dakota State, I'm just making something up, is number four. I think he should let someone go in front of him. He should want to go up against Michigan. He should want to go up against Georgia. He should want to go up against Alabama. He should want to go up against the big school competition because he has half a season essentially of of games of game tape at the power 5 level. So he should be he should be hunting guys that like played in the college football playoff in every rep he possibly can. This is where you go like oh I let me just retime my 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 clip uh, real uh, fast. You go ahead of me. Yeah, you you go ahead. I got I got to talk to the guy about the thing and the stuff and the oh man, I mean, you know, right? You go first. Right? And 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 I think it's the competition level for him. That's why he's there. Cuz if he looks as explosive as as you know, he did at Kent State or at, at times at, at UNC against somebody from Georgia. That's gonna that's gonna open some eyes uh, for Cedric Gray, linebacker from UNC. It's about crushing the interviews, crushing the interviews. I'm talking about savant like genius level crushing the interviews, finishing the coach's sentences, style crushing the interviews. He is an off ball linebacker, kind of a, a tackle monster. His future, if he's going to be a big star in the NFL, is as a Green Dot guy, meaning he has the speaker, the radio speaker, in his helmet. He's calling the plays for the defense. He's the one the coach can talk to. So just like a quarterback, he needs to be quarterback-level savant. He needs to be up there at the whiteboard. uh, You know, What do you do in this situation? Boom, here's what I do. I do this, I do this, I do this, I adjust this, I tell my defensive line this, 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 this. Unless they send the back out of the backfield, and then then I do this, 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 this. Unless the interior lineman, uh, you know, uh, if I if he's has pull posture, right? If it looks like he's gonna pull, then I check everything and I do this, 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 and I talk to my safety. Like he needs to be that level mm-hmm. locked in. This also sometimes a coach will just say, "Repeat this after me." Throw a whole bunch of jargon at him. Oh, yeah. and you have to repeat it because, like you said. If he's the one that's going to have the earpiece in his yep. helmet for the defensive coordinator calls in the, de- the defensive play, and he has to echo that out to everyone else out there on the field, you have to have the ability to repeat everything. It's um it's a lot harder than people think. Oh, for sure. And and another thing they do, and this used to be on the the Gruden QB camps, uh, which had now obviously have a different legacy now, but they used to be awesome. I used to love watching those things. Um, he would have him. He would draw up a play, and he'd say, "Like, all right, this is my play: Spider Two Y Banana." Right? He'd draw up the play, the formation. Here's the defense against it. Da 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 da. Then he'd go have a conversation with you for an hour, and you'd watch film. And he'd say, "What did you do here? Well, why would you do this? Oh, let's look at this play. Oh, man, you love the fitting it into small windows, don't you? You love showing off the gun. They do the whole thing, and then at the end, he'd go, "All right, draw that play up for me that I drew up for you at the beginning of the 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 conversation," and you have to go up there and figure it out. Like, that's what Cedric Gray has to do. Dwayne Carter, defensive lineman out of Duke. This is going to sound foolish, and I agree it's dumb. He has to show that he fits in. He has to be one of the guys. Because the the elevator pitch for Dwayne Carter is Duke. He's involved in some some court situations and i'm not talking about like uh, a, a negative rap sheet i'm talking about like he's filing on behalf of all ncaa athletes for this that and the third um he comes across as a guy and it's ridiculous but this is how the nfl has always been who like could be very very successful in something other than football and that always makes the nfl very very worried for some reason uh so he has to show that he's like a football guy that he can fit in the locker room get along with everybody which sounds ridiculous. Uh, as I said, it it sounded even more ridiculous than when, when I talked about it in my notes. Uh, and then Malik Mustafa, safety out of Wake Forest. It's about one thing. Let that athleticism shine. It's already been noted. Uh, he was on the athletics freak athletes list before the season this past year. But just go and show like, hey, my, ath- my athleticism doesn't just pop on, on tape at Wake. Uh, it also pops on the field with the best seniors in the country, best draft eligible players in the country. There you go. One thing for each of them. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses
0: a beat. Call QuickGrainger.com or just stop by. Granger.